Uh, we're going to talk this morning about uh, what we're talking about in the conversation tonight. I want to preach on why do bad things happen to good people. Now, it's a really wide, broad, difficult, controversial topic. Because if you talk to 15 scholars, you'll get 15 different reasons why they think bad things happen to good people. But I haven't got a text this morning because we're going to be all over the Word. We're going to have a lot of Bibles. I hope you don't mind your Bible. If you have our, uh, our Ignite app, the notes are all there and the verses are all be written there. Well, let's just pray. <coughs> Father, we just ask that you'll open our eyes, that you'll share with us your insight and what we need to understand about why bad things happen to good people. And most of all, Lord, as Ross has said, we want to trust you. We want to fix our eyes on you. And we just pray that you'll speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So whether it's COVID or a Christian suffering financial loss or the Holocaust or a good person getting a, a debilitating disease, something inside us questions God's goodness with the thought, how can a good God... Uh, we're going to talk this morning about uh, what we're talking about in the conversation tonight. Ask yourself this question. Or on the flip side, how come bad people seem to get good things, you know, happen to them? So we're not trying to ponder, I mean, we're going to think about these questions this morning and this afternoon, but you have to understand this is a pretty big topic, and biblical writers, for even writers in the Bible, many biblical writers, are asking exactly these questions, usually when they're the ones suffering. So whether it's Job questioning why he was even born, or Habakkuk complaining about evil men prospering, or Paul asking God to remove the thorn from his flesh... The question of bad things happening to good people, God's people, has been explored since time immemorial. Do I think I have all the answers? No. But I believe I have some of the answers that the Lord, as I've studied this this week, and uh, it really is good to get your head around this and to think, how can a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? Well, at its core, we all have a sense of justice, don't we, of what's right and fair. Do we not? You look at things, you say, well, that's not fair. And we don't think that God, who is supposed to be good, should allow bad things to happen to basically good people, namely us. It assaults our sense of justice. It's not fair and it's not right. I often used to say to my family, it's like an Aboriginal's left arm. It's not fair and it's not right. Think about it. But it's not fair and it's not right. You know, it's, we look at it and we say something inside that says, this cannot be correct, that God... Would, would allow bad things to happen to good people. Habakkuk, in Habakkuk 1 verse 4, he says this, So the law is paralysed, and justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. And what he's saying in that, that's a fancy way of saying, God, how can you let this happen? And so some of us, you know, we look at things in our life, and we say, God, how can you let this happen? If you're a good God... How can you let this happen? Well, let me ask, the first question I want to deal with is, whose fault is it anyway? And, and there's a subsection to that is, God is God on the throne? See, theologically, we face, uh, we're faced with a dilemma as we try and explain the bad things that happen in this world. So either uh, God is a good God, and somehow he allows bad things to happen for purposes that are beyond us, or we say, well, God doesn't allow th bad things to happen, but then he's not in control and they just happen and it's out of his control. Um, he cannot be in control of things if he's not allowing things to happen because then he wouldn't be in control. Does that make sense? So we have to get our head around this. Is it a case of, is it what we call dualism where Satan and God are even and they're battling it out and it could sort of go either way? 
Or is it a case of God is in control, but somehow he allows scope for some bad things to happen? Psalm 147 verse 5 says, As great is our Lord and abundant in power, his understanding is beyond measure. Daniel 4 says this, All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? So Daniel is saying, you know, that's, that's what it says. It was actually Nebuchadnezzar who said that. Matthew 28 verse 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So in my mind, I believe God is in control. Even when bad things happen, I still believe God is in control. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, No doctrine in the whole word of God has more, ex has more excited the hatred of mankind than the truth of the absolute sovereignty of God. The fact that the Lord reigneth is indisputable, and is this, it is this fact that arouses the utmost opposition in the unrenewed human heart. So in my opinion, I believe God was and is and is and will always be in control. He reigns, he is sovereign, he is omnipotent, he is omnipresent, he is omniscient. But let's be clear about this. God does not cause bad things to happen. I'll say it again. God does not cause bad things to happen, but there is a fruit and a consequence of choices we make, things, things we do, things others say and do, and he lets us experience that. Think about it. If you have a child who's standing on a ledge and you say, don't go near that ledge, and the child does go near the ledge and falls over and hurts himself. Have you ever experienced that with your kids? Yeah. Was it your will that they hurt themselves? No, it wasn't. But out of that situation, because you allowed them to experience the consequences of their disobedience, and out of that situation, you can still bring good and training for the child. But you didn't want them to do that, did you? Otherwise, we'd be all throwing our kids over cliffs. Now, I have a photo here. I have two photos here. If you can put the next one up. This is our cat, Sasha. Sasha the Wonder Cat. It's a long story anyway. This is basically what controls our life, okay? Now, this was her looking at, the, at, the, um, at, at the, the, the stove, the fire, when we had it on. This next one, and she, kept, and she was looking at it, and she was standing on the edge of our lounge, and she says, I'm going to jump on this, and I'm saying, don't do it. Don't jump on the fire. Oh, I'm going to do it. I can see it in her little eyes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to jump on this fire. And so she looked at it. She realized it was a bit hot, but she didn't realize the top was hot. And so she jumped on the fire. And this is a photo. You can just see her legs disappearing. You see that blur? She landed on with pow, straight off like that, right? But I tell you what, she has never gone back to that fire and done it again. She does, she's not lining up for seconds here because, because she learned really, really quickly if I'd have protected her from that, she wouldn't know that the top was hot. She wouldn't figure it out. I, I didn't want her to do that. I didn't make it. I didn't throw on the top of the fire. I probably should have, but I didn't. Um, but she just jumped straight off that and she's never done it again. You see, Proverbs, Proverbs 19 verse 3 is one of my, fast becoming one of my favorite verses because it really expresses what this world is about today. Proverbs 19 verse 3, listen to this. <coughs> When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. When a man's folly, whose folly? The man's folly. When a man's folly brings his, his world to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. How often do you see that in our society? God, why did you let this happen? God, why have you let me become addicted to drugs? 
Is that his fault? No. Is it his will? No. But you've done it and you have to bear the consequences of what you have done. But when we, when we mess our lives up, who do we blame? We blame God. We should take We live in a society that never takes responsibility for anything. How many of you know that? And we need to, to say, you know what? I'm at fault. It's my sin. Forgive me. We'll get a lot further than blaming God. So the next question I want to ask is, who is actually good anyway? Why do bad things happen to good people? Let's have a look at what good means. It's the obvious question. Now, when Jesus was approached by the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18, the rich young ruler called him good, and Jesus said, no one is good except God. In Romans 3.23, Paul writes, for all have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sinned. You've sinned, I've sinned, we've all sinned. Am I right? There's no one here. You know, if you've never sinned, raise your hand. And that'll be your first sin, because it's a lie. We, the Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. So we have all, at some time or other, rejected Christ. And that's why Jesus came and died on the cross for us. He was sinless, but we are not. <coughs> he died not because of sins he did. He died for our sin on the cross. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says this, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities take, uh, like the wind take, it us, take us away. All of us, have, so when we say why do bad things happen to good people, you have to realise that good is just in our framework because in God's eyes, not one, no one of us, no single person is good. We have all sinned. So we say how come good things happen, how bad things happen to good people? We're not good. So that, that whole argument gets shot down right there. Let me ask you the question, where does evil come from? Well, Jesus echoed Isaiah 14 when he said in Luke 10, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So the first being to fall was Satan, and his sin was, <coughs> was pride, and he took a third of the angels with him that became what we now call today demons. And he decided, his pride, he thought he could usurp God and take God's place. That was pride, and that was a sin, and he decided to reject God and go his own way. Uh, someone suggested that uh, if, if the devil had never, you know, if, if the devil was destroyed, we wouldn't have sin in the world. That's not true. Because what did Adam and Eve do in the garden? Exactly the same thing. You know, um, Paul makes it very clear. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all men sin. 1 John 1 says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if you're sitting around saying, well, the thing is, I don't have any sin. Well, that's a sin. <laughs> because you do, we all do. Can we all agree that we're sinners? Absolutely. And so, you know, it's, we can't blame the, the, the devil for everything. You can probably blame him for some things, but not everything. You know, there was an old skit years ago when a, a woman was walking down the street. She saw a dress and she bought the dress and her husband said, why did you buy that dress? She said, the devil made me do it. Well, you can't, that doesn't fly, guys. The devil doesn't make you do stuff. He tempts you, but he doesn't make you do it. You still make the decision. So bad things that happen to people either come from Satan or from man's sin or from rebellious decisions. God doesn't cause the bad things, but there are several instances in the Bible where God 
doesn't lose control, but for his own reasons, he allows a limited scope for bad things to occur. Mostly, he's letting us reap what we sow. If, we, if he were to bail us out of everything, we would never learn. The same way your child would never learn. But let me tell you, it's not strictly cause and effect. Bad things are happening not on a strict cause and effect basis. God doesn't automatically zap you if you sin. How many of you have been involved in a sin and you've looked into yourself and said, oh, I hope God doesn't see this, he'll probably zap me. Have you ever said that? I have said that, mainly as a young person, doing things I knew I shouldn't be doing. I thought, oh, I hope he doesn't see. And I expect a big bold lightning to come down. Never happened. Does that mean God approves of it? Not a chance. But it's not strictly cause and effect. Job's friends were actually rebuked. If you read the book of Job, they all came with this idea. Hey, you must have sinned for this to happen. This is all your fault. And Job's friends were rebuked by God. And Job had to intercede and pray for them to, to, to forgive them, for them to be forgiven. Because they had this cause and effect thing. Oh, if I do something bad, God will zap me. And, it, you know, you can be really bad and have a great life. You can be really good and struggle. In eternity, we will know why God judges some on earth and not others, or allows some to suffer and not others, but he is always justice and mercy together. He's law and grace. And there are some things I cannot explain, but I trust in the midst of it all that God knows what he's doing. Do you? If you see bad things happening, I, if, if I can't explain it, I just say, Lord, I've just got to trust you because I know Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways than your ways. You just have to, at the end of the day, you have to trust him. You just have to trust him. Romans 11 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor? Biblical writers declare that God is just way beyond anything we can understand. We try and understand him with our finite minds, but sometimes he just knows better than we do. And Job himself says, can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? See, God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is present everywhere at once, and we have to trust him in that. We must not blame God or use his word as an offensive weapon to bend him to our will. We have to trust him no matter the circumstances. So when we call for justice from God, how many of you have had some, something done to you and you look at you and you go, that's not fair, God, go get them. Have you ever said that? The psalmists say that a little bit, you know. They're, God, you know this is wrong. This person has done the Go, Go sort them out, God. Hope something really bad happens to you. That sort of thing, you know. But we have to be careful because if, if he dealt with us all justly, we would all be dead. It's only the mercy of God that saves us. So we want God to deal with us in his mercy, but to deal with the other guy in his justice. Mercy and justice go together. And in the end, James 2.13 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. So we have to be careful when we say, God, go get him. Because maybe we should pray for mercy for our foes. Don't you think so? That's what the Bible teaches. So let's have a look very quickly at a couple of biblical examples of good things happening to bad people. There are loads of examples in Scripture, of course, both Old Testament and New Testament. We need to realize that God is a good God no matter what happens. 
God is a good God even if we suffer. But don't blame him for the suffering. Look to him for blessings during your time of suffering. Here's some examples. Joseph. You remember Joseph? Had a Technicolor dream coat. You know, he was a, you know, going places, etc. His brothers sold him into slavery. He finished up in prison. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And, and through it all, he became the prime minister of, uh, of Egypt. And he saved his family. And in Genesis 50, verse 20, when, when the brothers were fearful that he would take retribution because they were the ones who'd sold him into slavery, listen to what he says here. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring, about, bring it about that many should be kept alive as they are today. He could look at all the troubles and hardship and suffering he had in his life and he said, God worked it for good. Look at Job. I mean, that's the classic example really, isn't it? Job's interesting because we, we get a fascinating peek behind the celestial curtain. You know, you don't, Job is, we don't normally see into the heavenlies, but you do in the book of Job. And I've heard some people say that Job suffered because he, was, because he had fear. Job 3 verse 25, the, the, fear, the thing that I fear has come upon me, what I dread befalls me. And they say the reason Job suffered was because he had fear and that's a sin. But if you take that line, you've got to discount the first two chapters of Job, which is where God and Satan are discoursing and God says, have you considered my servant Job? You know, I think it's a lot of rot to blame Job to have, for having fear. Who among us hasn't got fear? It's, if you look at the book, clearly God is setting this up. He's challenging Satan. Look at my servant Job. And then Satan says this. Well, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and, and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and increased his lands. But then the, the devil says this, But stretch out your hand and touch all he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out of the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job. What's happening there? I'm not making this stuff up. This is in the Bible. But what we're seeing there is that, that this situation was set up, if you like, by God saying, have you considered my servant Job? Did God do the bad thing? No. But he gave the, the enemy and limited scope. He said, remember, you can touch this stuff, but you can't touch this. See, Satan is not all-powerful. Satan is a fraud. He is not all-powerful, despite what you see in the movies. He's not. It's not a balance. It's not yin and yang between God and Satan. God is the winner. God is the triumphant one. God is in total control. And for reasons unknown to many of us, he gives Satan a limited time to work his, his mischief, but God never loses control. And for Job, he didn't lose it either. It says in Job 1.22, In all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. What about Paul? Mentioned earlier, the thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 12. He says this, So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. So do you want to be conceited? I don't, based on that. So God gave him a thorn in the flesh. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, but he, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Three times Paul prayed, take this thing away from me. Whatever it is, we're not sure what it is. Uh, it could be a disease. Some, some scholars feel it was his eyes. It could be a person. I've encountered a few thorns in the flesh of you. Just a few, yeah. Uh, it could be persecution. We don't really know. But how can a good God allow his faithful servant to suffer? How can he do that? Does that mean he's not good? No, it means that he has a higher purpose. Whatever the thorn, it's a classic case of bad things happening to a good person. I'm in my quiet time this week and I'm reading about, um, in the book of Acts, reading about how Paul was falsely accused. And that's a bad thing, isn't it? Bad thing happening to a good person. Falsely accused. They tried to kill him. And they shipped him off to Rome. And let me read what the commentary said about it. Uh, Warren Wearsby writes, God had work for him to do in Rome. You may not understand why God permits lies to triumph, but leave it all in his hands. He is in control and the final judgment rests with him. What great advice. So here's the big why. Why do bad things happen to good people? Let me give you four thoughts on this as we wrap it up. Bad things happen to good people. But this world is not the end. That's the encouragement. Romans 8 verse 18 says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. See, this is not the end of the story. Christians should have an eternal perspective. Whatever happens in this world, this world is not our home. And, and if someone seems, if a bad person prospers in this world or a good person suffers, in the, we just have to trust that in eternity God will sort that out. Don't do God's job for him, just trust him. I wrote a song uh, last year and um, uh, I, I want to share the words with it because it's been ringing in my head. It says this, I am destined for another place where heaven's joy will soon be mine. I'm destined for eternity. But until that day, I'll stay right here and shine. And I think that's a good thought because we are just passing through. If you're a believer, if bad things are happening to you right now, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, We do not lose heart. Our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. For the light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. How good is that? We look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the unseen things are eternal. You see Paul's view, that's how he could suffer, how he could get beaten up and shipwrecked and all that sort of stuff. How did he survive that? How did he keep going? Because his eyes were on eternity. That was his secret. The second thing is bad things happen to good people, but God brings eternal good out of it. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who, uh, sorry, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now many people say, oh, well, it all works out for good. That's not scriptural. What does the Bible say? Andrew Womack points this out. He says that all things don't work for good for everyone, but only those who know God and who are moving according to his purposes. In other words, if you disobey God, all bets are off. It's in our interest to keep moving with God, isn't it? To keep step with him. You think about your child. If you say, don't go near the edge, and they disobey, then, then stuff happens, doesn't it? Bad things happen. 
You don't will it to happen, you don't want it to happen, but it does happen because they've disobeyed you. And many of us here in our lives, we want God to lead us, but we constantly disobey him. How's he going to lead you? How's he going to lead you if you constantly, you know, say, come this way, my child, and you shoot off over here? No, come back. Come this way, my child, and you shoot off over here. How's he going to lead you? Let's make it clear. God does not cause bad things to happen, but he brings amazing good out of them. He makes lemonade out of lemons. Anything we suffer with or grapple with or are hurt by, God brings good out of us. Fiona and I, you've probably heard this story before, but I'll say it again because it's kind of big in my mind. We worked very, very hard and we earned a lot of money and we were very well financially set up. And at the age of about 48, we lost everything. So we went, went from being millionaires to being debt millionaires. Bad feeling, very bad feeling. We lost everything. We had to start again. And I could have stood around and said, God, why did you make this happen to me? But I didn't. I kept my eyes on the Lord. And, you know, it was unpleasant. It hurt. Nearly killed us trying to stay afloat. But as I said a few weeks back, God is restoring to all these things to us. He's just doing it. I just don't take my eyes off Christ. I just want to keep my eyes on him. And we are better and more faithful servants as a result. I tell you, it changed the way I saw life. It changed the way I saw ministry because we suffered this great loss. It takes faith to pray and see a miracle, but it takes greater faith to pray and not see the miracle, but still believe. Corrie Ten Boom wrote, well, popularized this. I'm not sure she wrote it, but she popularized this. It talks about weaving. My life is but a weaving between the Lord, my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors. He worketh steadily. Oftentimes he weaveth sorrow, and I, in foolish pride, forget he sees the upper while I see the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reasons why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skill, skillful hands as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. So if you say you can trust God for blessings then you should also be able to trust him in the bad times because that's when your faith is going to be tested and that's when your faith can grow strong. The third thing is bad things happen to good people, but God uses them to equip us for deeper ministry. He doesn't make bad things happen to us, but he brings good out of it. In 2 Corinthians 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction. How many of you know if you've been through tough times, something really difficult and bad, that when you come through the other side, you are able to care for someone who's going through that? Is that true? So God, God takes this horrible thing that happened to you, and many of you understand what I'm talking about here. Some, something terrible that happened in your life. And because you've come through it, you are able to minister to someone else who is going through that. Because he uses that comfort to, to deepen our ministry. I don't think God sets out to make us suffer just to teach us a lesson. But when suffering comes, which it will, he is gracious enough to use it to deepen our ministry. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, who is a... a, a hero, heroine, heroine of mine. Uh, she dived into a pool when she was 16, cracked her neck, been a quadriplegic ever since, and she has ministered to so many people. 
and brought so many people to Christ. Just this week, I got to meet again for the first time in a long time, Kath Ware. Who knows Kath? Yep, she was in a terrible car accident and uh, she's uh, paralyzed and, you know, she's got little hands, little calps and this sort of, you know, wheelchair and stuff like that. But I tell you, that lady radiates, radiates the joy of Christ. There is a joy in her. Those of you, is there a joy in her life that you've never seen anywhere else? She's incredible. She is amazing. And she just encouraged me just coming into my office and talking to me for a while. I was amazed. See, God can, can bring good things out of bad. And bad things happen to good people, but here's the thing. The worst thing can, has happened to the best. Jesus was perfect, completely sinless, but he suffered in our place. Let's be clear, clear again. God did not cause the crucifixion. God did not make the crucifixion happen. He let it happen. He permitted it. But his sinless son hung on nails for six hours for you and me. His son, without sin, paid the price for our sin, which was death, and then rose again to show us that he's conquered death. 1 Peter 2 says this, If when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. Now the bottom line is this, when we strip it all back, and we're going to pull this apart this afternoon, if you can get to the conversation this afternoon, come and have a cake and and coffee and all that sort of stuff, but come and join this discussion, because everybody has a different view of this, but it's going to be a great thing to talk about. But I think the bottom line is this, when we see bad things happen to ostensibly good people, most people feel it's not fair, that God is somehow unjust, yet as Christians we recognize that none of us are good, and that if God was only just we'd be dead, right? But we also recognize in Lamentations 3, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see, we serve a faithful God. Even if we are suffering, we serve a faithful God. And we live in a fallen world. God doesn't cause bad things to happen. But he can permit limited scope for a limited time for the devil and he also permits us to experience the consequences of our decisions and other people's decisions as well. And in fairness, he's probably protected us from some of the consequences of our decisions. Would you agree? I mean, I can tell you, growing up as a young guy, I made some pretty dumb decisions. Anybody here like that? I'm the only one. Look at that. Three people made, three people made dumb decisions. The rest of you are angels, uh, you know. I made some really bad decisions. Had they gone pear-shaped, they would have affected the rest of my life. But God protected me from some, but I still felt the consequences of others, the consequences of what I had done. Many times in this fallen world, we suffer the consequences for our choices and sadly, somebody else's choices. It's a fallen world, but here's some great news. This fallen world is not the end. We're just passing through. In a world where bad things happen all the time, we need to take our eyes off the circumstances, off the bad things, put them on Christ and say, I'm going to trust you no matter what. Because when we do that, he just does amazing things. As we heard from, from Ross sharing before, miracles happen because they took their eyes off their circumstances and put them on, on Christ. And miracles happen. So instead of trying to figure out the mysteries of God's actions, can we not as believers simply just trust him no matter what? Hebrews 12 talks about us being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, but then it says this, fix your eyes on Jesus 
And I think that's the challenge, is that we take our eyes and we fix them on Jesus, no matter what is going on around us. We think life is like Facebook. On Facebook, everyone has an opinion. Have you noticed? Everyone has an opinion about everything. And, and, and everyone thinks they're right, and they argue black and blue about it. They think every opinion is valued and worth fighting over. But that's not the real world. Newsflash. If you look at Job, you look at Habakkuk, our opinions, our desires, our comments, basically irrelevant before the God of the universe. We are not going to change his mind because we have an opinion. He is sovereign. Do I hear an amen to that? He is Lord. And we think that, like Facebook, if we said, well, God, my opinion is you shouldn't do this, he doesn't have to listen to you. He does, but I think he's humoring us, honestly. Most theologians agree that God allows things to happen for a reason. Whether or not we understand his reasons, we must remember and trust God that God is good, loving, just, and merciful. And often bad things happen to us that we simply cannot understand, but we can rest assured that we follow God, when we follow God and we're obedient, that he is in our corner, he is on our side, he is not going to let us suffer any more than, than we can, you know, face. He's going to help us through. And he is. He loves us. He has our best in mind. But still bad things happen to us. But he can protect us and bring good out of those he never causes it, but he can do that. We, um, I've shared on this a couple of times, but when Kaylee was born, um, Fiona was in the room with, with her and with Tara, and she didn't breathe for seven minutes, and, and they got her breathing, and they saved her life, um, and, and she's now a beautiful young girl running around here somewhere unaffected. But Fiona and I got together at the end of that, and we said, we said, thank you, God, for saving our granddaughter's life. Thank you, you're a good God. And he spoke to us and said, if I'd have called her home, would I still be a good God? What a question. The answer is yes, he is a good God. No matter what we face, no matter what hardship we face, he is a good God. So instead of doubting God's goodness and trying to analyze his actions, our reaction should be to trust him no matter what. Tony Evans said this, no matter how grim your circumstances appear, do not forget the glorious truth that God is in control. Trust him to accomplish his will for your life and his sovereignty directs your path. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your what? Your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I don't know about you, but I tend to want to lean on my own understanding a bit. And the Bible is saying, don't try and do this, just trust God. We walk by faith and not by sight. So this is a huge question, a difficult question, a controversial question. Why do bad things happen to good people? But one thing we must and can agree on is that God is a good God and we can trust him with our lives. Do I hear an amen to that? Why don't you bow your heads for a moment? Take a few, few moments right now to consider your life. What's gone before? What's happened? Where you've been? Have bad things happened to you? I bet they have bad things happened to lots of people. And so we have to examine our hearts and see it's okay to struggle in difficult times, but we need to bring it to him and we need to triumph over those things. So I'm going to ask you right now, as you examine your heart, 
as Lily serenades us with her screams. Examine your heart and ask yourself the question, have you been through bad times, difficult times? If you've been through bad times, I'm going to ask you to stand up wherever you are. I'm going to do something a bit different this morning. Stand up if you've had tough, difficult times. It, it should be all of us. It should be all of us. Lord, you see before you so many people that have suffered and, and gone through difficult times. You might be going through them right now. But my question to you is, can you trust God in this? Can you seek God in this? Can you see his hand and trust him no matter what? We're going to sing a song about the goodness of God. We sang it earlier. Because he has been so faithful. He has, he has been so good for us. But some of you here are thinking, man, I'm, I'm just struggling. I'm barely standing at the moment. Some of you here are just, just really struggling to stay on top of things at the moment. And if that's you, I want to open up the front here and say, come forward, let us pray and stand with you. Some of you might think, oh, I've got it all together. But maybe you haven't. It's time to come forward and, and, and just come right to the front here, Andrew. It's time to come forward and say, Lord, I need help to stand. I want to stand through all these things. But some of you have been to hell and back. I'm telling you now. People will stand with you. People will pray with you. People will believe with you. So don't just stand there in your seat thinking, I'll probably be right. This is your moment to come forward and say, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust. Is that you? Because I believe God's doing that right now. Come right to the front, guys, right to the front. There'll probably be a lot of you, if we're honest. Let's sing about the goodness of God, but search your own hearts right now.